Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hello. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Yes, it is. We were just drinking carbonated beverages before we started, and there was um, a little bit of a burping contest going on, just in case you all thought we were... Shannon is deplorable. (laughs) Kathy won, so that tells you who's deplorable and who's not. Just drinking Just in case you thought we were, you know, super smart together people. No, we were having burping contests before this, so good times. Um, Today on the show... <clears throat> Before I digress too far, we are going to talk about our favorite horror films from the last decade. So that is 2010 to 2019. Can I say something? You, no, because <laughs> it's not a podcast or a talk show. Just right here before we get. <laughs> not at all my favorite decade of horror. Okay. I had to, I kind of struggled okay. with this. And mm. I think it's because, and I don't know if it's because. As I get older, I get further away from when I used to watch it a ton. Yeah. And when I really, so I'm attached to those decades. Yeah, like we talk about the 70s and 80s a lot. 70s, 80s, 90s. Okay. So, right? Yep. Those would be the like. turn of the millennium. Marks. Although I wasn't a kid in the 70s. I was a kid in the 80s, so I would watch stuff from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Growing up, and then the nineties, there were I thought there were some really good ones in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I so I don't know if it's just like well, maybe you haven't romanticized them as much. I think so, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but the ones I do have on my list, mm-hmm. I liked a lot. Okay, if that cool. says anything. Yeah, no. Um, what I noticed. So the overarching thought is before we get into specifics, because um, I I hear you on that. Is for me, it's like. I'm not romanticizing them because they're not from a period of time like when I was being introduced to things, which has got like a different vibe. And then like the 90s, it's there's just this different feeling. But what I would probably extrapolate on is say that because when they do good horror movies now, they become much more than a horror movie like they're in the culture and most people have seen them you don't have to be a horror fan to have seen them um and so there's a real different it's not such a kitsch thing anymore there's an intersectionality ooh, big word right of like especially if you look at jordan peele's work Mm -hmm, which i'm sure we were and i love him for what he's done with Mm -hmm. horror okay you want to start there we can start there since we've done whole episodes on jordan peele we yeah i mean i think he takes the foundation mm-hmm. of a horror film, mm-hmm. whether it's been done like he's redoing Candyman, but a lot of his stuff is original mm-hmm. or influenced by old horror. And then he adds this whole socio-political, but not, but it's still palatable. It's just enough that you're not like, oh God, political agenda. It's it's so well done like when you watch us, it's just in there enough where you go, oh, oh, wow. 
Right, right. It's and and I think that is another difference that we're sort of talking about. And I'm not saying that the 80s and 90s horror isn't smart, but it's smart in a different way. Totally. Like these are smart movies, which is not. I would say the movie, the horror movies that I watched back in the day were not the smartest horror movies. I'm sure there were smart movies, but this is what I think. Not the ones I watched. I just want to add to this too, which is what a lot of the horror movies now do is take the people who were exploited in the early days, black people, Mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the political piece is almost around their, I don't know if revenge is the right word or. Yeah, it's like a sociopolitical agenda. So, you know, Parasite, it was class, right? And and then, yes. Yeah. So the people who were exploited in horror movies back in the day, like women, now take a big part in being the, in the power position or in the, um, just empowered. Yeah. The characters are more empowered. Yeah, for sure. So just, um, in keeping with this, uh, episode, the favorite horror from the last decade. So for sure, 2017 get out and 2019 us are on my list. Yeah. So, uh, let me see if I have both. I def I have us on here. I put both on my list because um, I didn't do just 10. I know that. So before we before we started recording, we, we kind of we each went about this a little bit differently. Um, I think Kathy made a top 10 list, which is awesome. And then I sort of went chronologically through the years and tried to pick a couple from each year. So that's what you'll be hearing is you'll be hearing us kind of cobble that together in some semblance of cohesion. <laughs> so I have it. I have it as number four on my list. Us. I, yeah. And I don't have these. There's. I will say the one that I will talk about last is the only one that I listed um, as the, my favorite like one. Okay. The so, rest of the order right. really isn't okay, cool. anything to pay attention to, but I just want to talk about it last. Cause to me, it, I haven't been scared that much. I think since I was a kid. Okay. Um, but us is definitely on there and get out was great too, but us was like, I don't know. Yeah, because I did my favorite horror of the last decade and I didn't do like a, I didn't narrow it to 10. Um I Get Out and Us are definitely in my mm-hmm. in my horror favorites from the last decade and um certainly the last 5 years like those are really recent ones. Um and then I would also cuz I want to I want to clear out some of the big <laughs> some of the biggies that are probably on everybody's list. Um and so I would also say that 2017's It um, did not make my list. Part one and um, 2000. Uh, wait, where's the other one? <laughs> it was 17 and 19, I think. Uh, something like that. I kind of like the last, second one better. I th- maybe yeah. I don't know. So both of those are on my favorite horror from the last decade. Like if I'm gonna. If I'm going to talk about the last decade of horror, like what were good movies, I I would say both of those are online. I I loved it. I loved his um, portrayal of Pennywise. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I I thought about putting it on my list. And then I was like, I just want to see if I can see something else. See something else. But Mm -hmm. I definitely, 
those movies did scare me and I still hate clowns. Yeah. I mean, I would just put them in my bag of horror. Like if I was going to talk about horror, maybe on a podcast episode about the last decade, I certainly, well, and certainly would mention those. I think just the, the underlying message around fear. Yeah. It was clever. It was cleverly done. Yeah. It's an old story. Um, um, Stephen King fan. We certainly got a lot of Stephen King horror movies this decade. Um, I I like the childhood, you know, vantage point. There's always like a kid. It's always from a kid's perspective, and mm-hmm. um, so it it works in that sense. And I, I get also that I'm not coming at it from just a movie watcher perspective, like a read the book kind of thing. And so I also get that that that's like a different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like what you were saying last week about American Horror Story, where it's like if you lived in the '80s, there's an extra layer of kind of joy <laughs> that you get from it. You do, yeah. So I think that my my lifelong because the um, new version takes place in the '80s, the old version's the '50s. Yeah, yeah. It's like my my lifelong uh, one sided relationship with Stephen King is also represented when I watch these it's movies. One sided. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't Doesn't know I exist, which nope. is perfectly fine. Yep. I am. Okay, I like being a fan. It's all good. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, maybe through you throw out a movie now. Uh, let's see. To I'm the gonna, discussion I'm gonna save, table. I'm going to save some of my... She's saving all. So far, she said she's saving this one and that one. Uh, I'm going to go with a fun one. Cool. I loved Scream 4. Oh, really? What Do you know what year that came 2011. out? 2011. Okay, cool. So it's fun. I mean, I'm a big fan of the franchise mm-hmm. i remember seeing the first one on christmas day that would have been 1995 i think 1996 mm. um sydney prescott now the author of a self-help book returns home to woodsboro on the last stop of her book tour so she's grown up you know she comes back she's written a book about all this um <laughs> she reconnects with dewey sheriff dewey and gail who are now married as well as her cousin Jill and Aunt Kate. And I think Jill is played by Hayden Pantier. I think that's who plays uh, her. Yeah. Unfortunately, Sydney's appearance also brings about the return of Gooseface, putting Sydney Gale and Dewey along with Jill, her friends, and the whole town of Woodsboro in danger. <laughs> I remember I went and saw it in the theater. I was so excited that they released another one because uh-huh. it had been since like 99 or 2000 or something. Mm-hmm. I think since three. Um and it was fun, and it was actually pretty damn gory, mm-hmm. but it still had the the scare factor for me. That's so, great. Well, and I know I think that's a franchise that you would put up there on. Oh yeah, that's know, one of my favorite franchises, right? That's like one of my favorites. A, if we did an episode about the top ten franchises. Yeah, that would probably be I one of yours for sure. I liked four more than I did two. I think. Yeah, four the sophomore good. effort was not as good. Yeah, four was good. It's like they had some time to go. Where do we want to go? And and her just being older, coming back with a different yeah. level of maturity. Well, and I don't know much about that franchise as far as like probably a different filmmaker or different writers or you know they just had like a different take on it probably. Or, I don't know. It's all know. it's all Wes Craven, I think. Yeah, but I don't know. Anyway, that's mine. So I'm gonna go. So 2010. So some things I would mention from just a couple movies that I would mention from 2010 are Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which is a dark comedy movie. I do like, you know, we all have subsects of horror that we like and the kind of smart comedy 
dark comedy is definitely one of the ones I like. Mm-hmm. And so um, Tucker and Dale versus Evil made me laugh a lot, actually. I haven't seen it, but I remember when it came out. So that one I would mention. And then um, 2010 Paranormal Activity 2. That was a scary one. Came out that and that I don't know. I have to think about this some, but I, that might be my favorite one. I'm not sure. Of that, that franchise was scary. That mm-hmm. one was really scary. Yeah. I have a 2010. It's like cusp 2009 through 2010. Okay. Depending on if you want to look at the release date versus when it was in the theaters. Yeah. Um, let me in. Oh. So <clears throat> I know yes. it's a remake to let the right one in, which yeah. is, I think, Swedish. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, a good one. I knew it was good. I finally got around to watching it. Um, Chloe Moretz, blah, blah, blah. I always forget her full name. <laughs> um, man, she was so good. And so was the little boy who plays Oscar. Um, yeah. So if people haven't seen it, it's really a, a bullying movie. It's about it's about bullying. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be that the, the little girl that he befriends next door is a vampire. Yeah, that, um, yes. And it's pretty gory. It's also a revenge fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's two, two different things going on. One is the, how difficult it is to sort of be the awkward kid um, with a single mom. And he's just really precocious in some ways and really naive in other ways. And, and then her torment, Chloe's torment of, of being trapped as a, a 10-year-old vampire, basically. Yeah, I haven't or a twelve year old or whatever. I haven't watched that one in a really long time, and I think maybe when you first said it, I confused it for one of my favorite movies. But this isn't that in this decade, is because we've talked about it on the show before. I've actually recommended it in our vampire episode. Yeah, so the two thousand eight um, let the right one in. That's the is original. one of my very favorite. That's yeah. that's the original. Yeah. yeah, and so when you first said it, I was thinking we were talking yeah. about that. I'm like, wait, why isn't that on my list? And then I realized I was thinking of um, the Swedish one from two thousand eight. Right. One of my very favorite. Anyway, and that yeah, this one was the American version of that. Okay, um, so I didn't put the other one on. Just I should check it, was it out. Two thousand eight, but it was. Um, you know, I'm always skeptical of remakes because I feel like the Swedish version, like I loved the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and I didn't even waste my time with Rumi Mara's. Some of the Scandinavian, and I don't know if it's because it's in my blood, but um, I often am very attracted and enjoy the Scandinavian originals Oh, there are so many movies. They're, they're so well done and I feel like because they aren't pressured by the, the confounds of Hollywood mm-hmm. that they they will always or almost always go outside of the trope or the because when you watch the original girl with the dragon tattoo with my girl <laughs> your wife yeah she there is she's so raw I mm-hmm. mean there's nothing they they crossed all gender I mean they do this now but at the time they didn't they crossed all gender bound barriers Mm -hmm. they crossed uh, i mean even how they had her get in that sort of physical that physique Mm -hmm. for that role and this was 90s i think yeah um it's different it is i um i also think you know weather makes big difference in our lives (laughs) it's like the the six months of darkness and all that and so my my how i always feel about it is that i watch movies from a Scandinavian perspective that are dark and heavy and poignant. 
it's it's kind of like um, last week when I was talking about uh, the lodge, the movie I was talking about on Shrink Chat is uh, it's that's it's dark and miserable and thoughtful and emotional. Like I cried in that the lodge movie. I mean, not cry cry, but like got choked up because there's just, and that's how I feel about a lot of the. There's just this intimacy of humanness or something about them. So, yeah, no, I'll have to watch this because I haven't watched it in a really long time or I haven't watched it at all because I was thinking of that other movie. So I know you've talked about the Swedish one before. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So maybe I haven't even seen this one. Um, Insidious came out that year, too, 2010. It did. Yeah. Is that on your list? Eh, not really. I kind of wrote it down as like maybe a runner's up or something, but um, didn't a Saw movie come out that year? And oh, there's like twenty Saws. I don't yeah, know. Res- there was a Resident Evil that year. There was all kind. Of, there was a. I think there was even like a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of movie mm-hmm. that year. And you know, Troll Hunter, oh, <laughs> things like that. Um, anyway, uh, 2011, uh, Red State. Which one's that? Well, it's a Kevin Smith movie. It's um, <laughs> it's kind of a hybrid in the sense that it's not a strict horror. I do tend to like these kind of genre bending movies. Um, it's like <laughs> Kevin Smith, after a lot of time, got himself in a position where he could make movies that were not... Um, commercial he that's how he started out right right? he started out with clerks Clerks. and all that and then he became uh, like a director for hire and did some movies um famously with bruce willis whatever that movie was called i forget it right now um originally the script was called a couple of dicks but i can't remember what they ended uh cop out is what they ended up calling it sorry i could not remember but red state was 2011 um independently financed and he wrote a basically a horror thriller movie and john goodman's in it and Mm -hmm. michael parks is the name sounds familiar freaking amazing because he's freaking amazing Mm -hmm. um and it's got a religious thing because a lot of the movies that I end up talking about have a religious thing going on. And he did a lot of really interesting things like with the distribution and all that. But for this, for this purposes of this conversation, I really it was one of my favorite um, horror movies of the decade. Hmm. It's, um, it's, uh, how would I describe it? It's violent and, there's a lot of there's a couple of turns. There's a lot of um, disturbing things that happen. Um, there's a religious bent to it. It's complicated and disturbing and smart. So, okay, yeah, I like it. I like Kevin Smith a lot. I do too, and he does all kinds of crazy shit. And I'll, so I'll throw it out since we're doing since I'm throwing out the Kevin Smith gauntlet. <laughs> Is I would say I really, um, it's hard to say I liked it, but I do have Tusk from 2014 on there. Um, well, good is such a relative term. (laughs) Um, I put it on here because I think it's an interesting movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and like I said, I didn't do a top 10, so I, I, I was able to like look at, you know, um, 
Jordan Peele and his two movies and Stephen King's and all his movies and Kevin Smith and his movies, like some of my favorite either storytellers or filmmakers. And um, Kevin did two horror movies this decade. So, I mean, Tuska's, it's a comedy, but it's also a horror movie and it's a body horror movie. And I used to think that I, I have said before on the show that I don't like body horror, but then I look at my list <laughs> and several and maybe that's maybe maybe it's not that i d- like or hate it, it maybe that it's, Do you want to describe it, what it is in case people don't scares me <laughs> don't know what body horror is? yeah it's when i don't know what the technical definition of it but it's when they you're watching it's like audition the movie audition where yeah. you're watching things being dissected or cut off or um yeah so human centipede make your list <laughs> no if we were going to do a show on the most disturbing horror movies, which I actually started to make a little list. I know. I was looking at Audition. I'm like, do I put this on my list? Because it's definitely not a favorite, but it's certainly one of the most disturbing. Well, and it's not from this decade. It's not. But, but could have been an honorable mention because it's... <laughs> yeah, I think maybe up. maybe we'll do an episode on the most disturbing oh, horror God. films. It's just to torture Kathy. Um. um because yeah. they're because Tusk might make it on that, but maybe not. I don't know. I I wouldn't I wouldn't make that. It's gonna list be a of, long week if I have to watch I, like fifty disturbing. Well, hopefully you could take a couple from memory. Yeah, I could, but <laughs> some of them that are overly like I'm not particularly drawn to the really like I don't know. Well, so demented. I'm yeah. Like Human Centipede, I don't look at that and go, God, I want to watch that. No, no, no. It's definitely not about that. It's it's um, it's about it's about the emotion, and we've talked about this before too. Mm-hmm. But it's about the emotion of being disturbed and uncomfortable and all of that stuff. And that is certainly not something that I wanted when I was younger at all. And I think it might, at least I didn't think I did. Um, but and I. I still don't. I still don't want to say that I like body horror subgenre, but I ha- can say that my criteria for this was like: was I horrified? Was I scared? Was I disturbed? Was I uncomfortable? Those kinds of feelings. There's lots and lots and lots of horror movies. <laughs> Chris just said to me the other day, "I was like, you want to watch such and such horror movie, whatever it was?" And he's like, "No, I don't like horror movies." And I was like, wait, "What? Wait, what?" He's like, "I don't like horror movies. They're all really. They're just so fake." He's that just has just you know we've talked. Well, about, I know I could go on the disturbing list. We've talked about Chris before, and um, he'll have you know a definitive opinion about Chris, something. Chris and then introduced his us. Mind. Chris introduced us to a, a nice little horror. I know disturbing movie, and maybe we'll save that one for oh, the disturbing God. horror. Um, anyway, Horrible. um, so Tusk would be a body horror movie. Um, it's where I looked up a definition for y'all, and you all probably already know if you listen to this show, but. Uh, it's a subgenre of horror that intentionally showcases graphic or psychologically disturbing violations of the human body. So, again, it's not that I like it; it's that it disturbs me, and so it makes me scared. And mm-hmm. there, and I, I do hear what Chris is saying in that statement, however humorous it might have been when he said it, which is, "Oh, they're all fake." Well, a lot of horror movies I watch, and I'm not scared. Yeah, so I think that's kind of what right. he means. Right. Um, but. Went, but body horror scares me, so I'll just put that on there. Well, it um, moves us out of our comfort zone, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward to 2016. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hush, yeah, hush is on my list. 
I loved this movie. So this is before Mike Flanagan did uh, uh, Haunting of Hill House. And Kate Siegel, who's in Haunting of Hill House, is the main uh, actor in this. So she is hearing impaired. She loses her hearing as a teenager. So she lives in isolation. So she li- li- like retreats from society, lives in this house. She has friends around, but it's just like one of those, you know, neighborhoods where everyone basically lives in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's civilized, but everyone's really distant. And um, she she's an author in the movie. And so she spends a lot of her time, you know, she works from home and writes. And it's really interesting, too, like how she does FaceTime to mm-hmm. uh, sign to her family and everything. So they, they set it up. It's this really kind of warm beginning, and it's really cool. Like, she's living alone. She has this <laughs> awesome job as an author. You're just, author like, waiting and, for and the- yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but one night, her, all of her comfort and safety and everything that she's had in this house so far gets mm-hmm. really rattled. When, violated. <laughs> yeah, violated and rattled when um, a guy shows up to her last door or window or whatever and he has a mask on mm-hmm. he ends up being a, a psycho killer P- appears in her window um and no one around like there's nobody living within miles of her so she has she's at his mercy and what's so creative about this movie is clearly in most movies we watch the person can hear where the killer is whether it's outside the house or he's yeah. inside the house um but she's so skilled, like anyone who has uh, lost a sense of some kind, hearing, mm-hmm. sight, uh, it, the brain has a way of rerouting itself and strengthening the other senses. So she, it, they describe it like a horrifying game of cat and mouse, but she outsmarts him. Um, mm-hmm. It's really suspenseful. Yeah, very. And one of the best, it's a movie like you were describing it. Actually, I felt like I was in it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be torn from it. And I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. If you haven't seen it, I think it's one of the best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely agree with you. Like, I would recommend it highly. Like, just like I would recommend Us or Get Out or, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. It's up there. It's way up there for me. Yeah. Like, some of the movies I've mentioned are, you know, like Red State and Tucker and Dale versus Eva. Like, they're all um, acquired tastes. They're like, if you like comedy mm-hmm. or if you like oddball horror or if you like um, uh, genre bending horror type of stuff. But, like, Hush is straight across the board, like, suspenseful, scary. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like the first scream where it is like that it's, except her character is so smart yeah 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 really bright and she outwits him but it's believable it's all that stuff it's, she, it's basically what a good movie is and i know? love her anyway she's my favorite character on haunting of hill house mm-hmm. um she kind of looks like angelina jolie a little bit oh yeah that's what she reminds me of um but she's such the character. Her character in this is written so well, and then she plays a badass on Haunting of Hill House too. So yeah. she just has the edge about her. Nothing not to like about that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and the guy who plays the killer was on um, the show that Jeff Daniels plays the news anchor. Uh, uh, yeah, my 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 husband Aaron Sorkin is. Uh, yeah, I loved that show. I know a lot that. of people had mixed feelings about it, but it was really good. Uh, I can't think of it right now. 
but he plays one of the um, journalists on the show. So it was kind of funny to see him in this psycho killer role. Yeah, and he I does a good job. I just, I think, yeah, it's an excellent movie, my friend. Excellent movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so the other franchise or film group of films I have to mention is The Conjuring. Mm, that's on mine too. And The Conjuring 2. Conjuring scared the crap out of me. Because Conjuring 2 is really good as well. So the original is t- 2013. Yeah, and Conjuring 2 is 2016. Now, can I say that I love every movie in this franchise? No. I mean, I've discussed before that it's one of my favorite franchises because I like the ghosty thing, but... um. I cannot say I like every movie. and so, In fact, sometimes I want them to stop. Well, La Llorona <laughs> was terrible. Yeah, yeah, I just want them to stop. I mean, I, it, that movie had a few moments for me where I jumped. Like there was a few jump scares. There was a couple of moments where I was frightened or what have you. I'm not saying that the movies aren't frightening. <laughs> but I, I, but The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2 were great. Um, I like the Anna movies. Oh, God. I like the Annabelle. What I think I loved so much about the original Conjuring is um, it really is the catalyst for the Amityville horror story. You know, it's based on, I mean, the Conjuring is actually based on real events that Mm -hmm. facilitated the whole idea for the Amityville, which I think is cool. Yeah. The Amityville series, especially the old ones. I mean, the one, the one they remade, I think it was 90s or early early millennium with Ryan Reynolds. That was really good. But the original Amityville Canadian made movies from what was 70s 80s those are terrifying yeah they're it, the whole like like I could say the whole this whole thing is my jam for sure like the books that have been written about it the conjuring universe the Amityville horror universe is all, totally because I also like the Annabelle movies so Annabelle was like 2014 Annabelle creation mm. is actually good oh, 2017 just, is the creepiest doll and then they made Annabelle Comes Home uh, last year. So Is I could it, recommend most of the Conjuring universe, I've, but I've seen all of them. And you, you know. see The Nun? Mm-hmm. That looked pretty terrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Again, it had some moments. When I watched La Llorona, I had to get up like 50 times to get through it. It was just yeah. so incredibly bad. I think it's not as bad as but that. Those are, those I are, think The Nun is slightly better, but... I don't even really consider that. I know they're part of the franchise, but I feel like they're kind they of are. like outliers. Annabelle is based on a true events as well. Right? Yeah, it's like one of the subsects of that whole yeah. Conjuring universe story. Um, like one of the demons or whatever that they hunted type of thing and then extrapolate from there. Um, so those are on my list. Um, I'm going to go with an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. And it's also a comedy. Mm-hmm. So the movie was in 2014. It's now a series. But what we do in the shadows. Oh, cool. Um it's, it has a cult following. It's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think it's hysterical. So it's New Zealand made. They describe it as like a New Zealand made art comedy. Um, <laughs> Viago, Deacon, and Vladislav okay. are vampires. Bless you. <laughs> yeah. They're vampires who are finding a modern life. Um, and, and life has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent. Mm-hmm. keeping up with chores, trying to get into nightclubs and overcoming flatmate conflicts. Mm-hmm. So it's really like this dry, funny twist on the, the, the vampire from, you know, like the 1800s. Right. Mm-hmm. And in trying to fit in, in modern day, but clearly still dress the way that they do. 
Um, and now it's a series on FX and they have a female on oh. there who's flipping hysterical. Of the same name? Yes, yeah. it's, it's based off the movie. So they have new characters and the, the watcher, Guillermo, is hysterical and he worships Vlad and wants to become a vampire so badly that he'll do whatever it takes. And it's shot like... Um, like a documentary. Okay. Like they're being interviewed like a reality show. Oh, okay. Right. So the cameras are always on him and he's like, yeah, back when I met Vlad, blah, blah, blah. So they're talking <laughs> to the camera. Okay. <laughs> it's really funny, but it's an acquired taste. You have yeah, to yeah. like that kind of, um, but it's done well. Like the movie did really well and now it's in its second season as a series. Oh, that's cool. Pretty funny. I haven't seen the series, so I'll check it yeah, out. It's pretty funny. Um, I think I wouldn't be doing i mean you know we have to hit all the highlights from this decade because there's quite a few but i wouldn't be doing my job if i didn't mention 2012 the cabin in the woods uh, that's on mine too yeah as far as like so dark comedy right so yeah it's um well i think this one too was uh one of the first to bring in i don't know not necessarily the first to bring in like a political piece, but it really does talk about the influence of technology yeah, and big brother and, um, I yeah. Don't know. yeah, yeah. It's smart. It's funny. I'm sure it's on lots of people's lists. Um, <coughs> cause it's unique. I mean, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the ending and all of that. Like, you know, there's a, there's a rabbit yeah, hole the to end, go the down there. Was eh. But, um, but it's like how technology has learned how to manipulate the truth but then it also follows the same tropes as 80s classic horror. <clears throat> yeah. It's a good combo of like 80s horror and modern Yeah, it's like if technology. I was Yeah, for sure. If I was to create like a list of hey, hi, you're new to horror or you have been in a hole for 10 years and you like horror a lot, here are the, you know, 12 movies you should really just be familiar that with for the last there. decade. This would be in my time capsule for sure. Um, it's just representative of a lot of things about how horror has changed and how mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, flipped it on. It's a precursor to a lot of these smart ones that are being made now. This was one of those ones that was smart. Um, I want to mention a little movie from 2012. Uh, it's a little movie that's a body horror movie called American Mary mm -hmm. that I is one of my it's Canadian. It's a Canadian body horror film, although it's not like it's like audition only not. <laughs> so it's got that vibe to it, like a female mm -hmm. who is um, wronged. And then there's revenge fantasy to it. Um, that's not a fantasy for her. She executes the revenge. Um, she's a Isabel is a she's a medical student desperate for money who begins to take clients from the extreme body modification community so she gets kind of sucked into at the very beginning she gets sucked into you know helping um a strip club owner whose you know friend got stabbed in the eye and then she's still a medical student but she goes she really needs money so she goes in to be a stripper hypothetically but she's very uncommitted to it she just like drops her jacket off and goes like is this good enough you know she's like really not into yeah. it i mean she's a medical student she's like i just need the cash um so that's how she meets him and then 
he figures out that she's a medical student. And so he's like, I'll give you five grand today if you take care of this. And so she goes and she helps him out with the, the friend. And then she gets a rep and she gets kind of walked into the extreme body modification community. So like women who want to make their bodies doll like mm-hmm. or. Oh, um, OK. You know, and then all of the kind of regular stuff where it's like genital mutification, uh, mutilation and different things. They don't show any of that. Just FYI, mm-hmm. it's it's actually not like audition in the sense that at least for the first half of the movie, you don't see anything super graphic. But then it takes a turn. There's a trauma that happens. And then then there's a revenge okay. situation where she like quits medical school and starts to and then the horror ensues. <laughs> so um God, it sounds familiar. Yeah, she's a very attractive young lady. Um, who stars in it? I think her name is Cat. Yeah, Catherine Isabel is. Um, she's Canadian. <sighs> she's really good. She's in the Ginger Snaps movies. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, those. Yes. But... Uh huh. Anyway, Ooh, I may watch this one. Yeah, it's a. Uh, you might like it. It looks good. She's a sexy lady, too. I mean, that's super helpful. She's sexy and smart and a good actor. It's not bad. Like the the trifecta. Yeah, the the acting is not bad. So there's that. There might be a couple scenes in there that you're not thrilled about. There's some gruesome. Yeah. As a whole, um, I think it's a good movie. So I would throw that in there. Looks pretty nasty. I mean, it looks like gory and. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. And we'll come back with more horror movies after the break. While we take a break, go follow us on Instagram at Terror Talk Podcast, Twitter at Talk Terror, or on our Facebook page, Halloween All Year Long. If you prefer email, it's terrortalkpodcast at gmail.com. So reach out. If you like us, you can help us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page. We upload new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Keep coming back, but first stick around for more of our show. Hi, we're back. Well, I'm just going to just like throw Throw out an obvious one. (laughs) Great. A Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. 2018. Yeah. So, and Quiet Place 2 just came out. I haven't seen it, have you? No, I haven't. I want to. But I thought this, I I went into this not knowing what I was going to think. (laughs) Because it it was on the cusp of like sci-fi for me Mm -hmm. when I first saw the, and I'm not a huge sci-fi, like unless it's Star Wars or some of, I mean, every once in a while, like that certainly is like a genre of horror movies. Is like the sci-fi horror. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Alien, I love Star Wars, I love, but mm-hmm. overall, like, I'm not really one who gravitates towards sci-fi. So I was like, okay, but it ended up really being a suspense thriller, mm-hmm. and For sure. like Hush in a way, very character-driven, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many movies and and yes like hush as well because she isn't talking i don't know how many movies people can sit through and forget there's no dialogue because it's done that well agreed there's no dialogue 
except they whisper a few times. Yeah, there's a point in the movie where they talk to each other a bit, but yeah, not a lot, for sure. I mean, that's unreal to me that they could take a movie like that and make it that intriguing, and you feel like, I felt like I was there. Gripping, very gripping. Um, The tagline is, if they hear you, they hunt you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, that's scary. Um. A family must live in silence to avoid mysterious creatures that hunt by sound. That's the basic premise. For those of you living under a rock who haven't watched it, we do have some listeners that listen for the true crime stuff and not necessarily the horror stuff, so they might actually get a few (laughs) recommendations of the best. If they're listening to this. Yeah, Yeah. right? If they don't skip over this episode, which I hope they don't. Um, Explore new worlds, people. I just think he I love John Krasinski in anything he does but this really solidified like his talent for me and I've always loved Emily Blunt but yeah and I'm just making a note I have to, a reminder to myself that I need to watch the second one although I haven't seen, it's been you know it, it competed with COVID-19 so it hasn't gotten mm. I haven't really heard too much about it actually true but we'll see um yeah, so in my time capsule, for sure, I would put that movie in there. So good. Like representative of the decade, like movies you have to know about. I would definitely put it in there. I, yeah. I only have two left on my list. I'm going to let you go. You, why don't you say, why don't we do your two and then I'll throw in any. Okay. So, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, really? This is on your list? I loved Halloween 2018. <laughs> really? This is on your list? Sorry. Really did. And I've I thought, heard that from some people. I think it was such a great, I don't know if they're going to do another one. I kind of hope they don't because I thought this was such a great ending to um, the series. And I know that, that they are supposed to do another one. So I, Well, and there are parts of the series that don't go along with yeah, yeah. the rest. Okay. This one does fit with Halloween 1 and mm, is it 6 maybe I don't know but it fits with like the actual true like three or four movies of the franchise that are supposed to go together yes um but I also think there is a political piece to it mm-hmm. and someone wrote this as a as a um their what do you call it their um uh, critique of the movie she said it's a brutal rumination on intergenerational pain and the ways that male cruelty can make good women bad i think there is an underlying intergenerational piece to this around female empowerment abuse all of that that is um it's subtle because we're talking about michael myers who's a psychopath but i understand why she said that Mm -hmm. because this was three decades in the making. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, even just four decades in the making, even just before the break, I was mentioning that movie, American Mary, and it's kind of got a similar, I mean, you know, in a not, not decades and not explored way, just as a very small little movie contribution to the horror world. But it's like that. It's like, um, it's that idea of the female victim and then what that does and reactions. Right. And, and and why women have had to do certain things. Um, but she plays, and I, I'm not condoning killing. It's not what I'm saying by mm-hmm. that, but I'm saying like, you know, 
where at times it will look like a woman out of nowhere has gone, you know, the idea of she's gone crazy. And it's like, well, let's look at what happened to her. Maybe there's trauma there. Well, yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. Every time she steps into the role of Laurie Strode, I think she got better with time Mm -hmm. and matured. She was, you know, the naive little ingenue Mm -hmm. in the original, but she's so amazing in H2O and this and, yeah, I love her, that character. She talks about um, how she was attracted to the movie. And of course, like the ass kicking part of it is super fun. Mm-hmm. But that she was um, more attracted to the part because of the trauma that's represented. Yeah, it's a ton of trauma. That's like that, like as an actor, that's what she was drawn to. Like in um, the quote I was looking at, it says, uh, we have horror movies that are horrific and we have these horrific events that take place, but we leave the movie theater and then we complain that the dishwasher doesn't work. The trauma that occurs for these characters for 40 years, I felt was very important that David understood that and was really giving Laurie great honor to acknowledge that yes. her experience of her life was very challenged. That's a quote from um, Jamie Lee Curtis. First, I love that because this was probably one of the only horror movies where there's that much depth in a main character. Mm-hmm. And just to say, the um, there's two new Halloween movies slated. Um, is she in them? Uh, I believe so. One is okay. supposed to be called Halloween Kills okay. and will open this coming October. Although with COVID-19, I have no idea how that sets them back. I'll have to watch them. Oh, you mean is it's not done filming? I, I don't know. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like they I don't can know. edit from home. They just can't do the filming. And then 2021, there's supposed to be one called Halloween Ends, like a year later. So, okay. like as a new. If she's in them, I'll see them. Mm-hmm. I won't watch them anymore if she's not in them. Um, and then my last one, I, I felt like a little kid watching this movie. <laughs> okay. Because it, I haven't been this scared. From, and again, it's, it's all like subjective what scares us this much. And it's from 2014, but it's the Babadook. Yeah, yeah, no, it's on my list. Fuck! <laughs> that kid, That's this whole one. story, and I think there's also a mental health piece in this too, which is the how holding on to grief and loss and the piece that comes through acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, so how much she could not accept her husband's death and how it grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. But... Holy shit, this movie scared me. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Um, I watched it in the daytime. I couldn't move off the couch. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Do you want to add to it? No. I I love that movie since I first learned about it. It did the, like, it's Australian. God. Did the did the, like, film festival circuit kind of thing. It's, uh, Just that first scene with the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty scary. So if if there are people that have not heard of this movie, The Babadook from 2014, um, we would both put it in our little time capsule. I had a dream when I was a kid. I was I, I, We talked about this in another episode. I'm not going to go into it, but I'm scared of dolls, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And when I was a kid, I had two or three dolls in my room that really freaked me out, one of which one day said, hello, Kathy, when I walked into the room and I ran out screaming. I had a dream that I tried to throw them out um, and get rid of them. And they came back through the gutters and they ended up, I walk into my house and it's one of them sitting on the 
living room table going, hi, Kathy. And there's three like walking around. I couldn't get rid of them. So the scene where the book comes back, mm-hmm. that, that it just really reminded me of, of yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Cause that's a good horror movie. It's supposed to scare you, right? That it's is not- one of the, when it, I know we've talked about like thrillers, smart movies and smart and, movies. Yeah. This one, and this is a smart movie, mm-hmm. but this one really scared me. Yeah. It has the, all the elements of a classic horror film. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, it Follows came out that same year. Yeah. Um, which was scary to me. Mm. Um, I still haven't seen it. Krampus came out in 2015. I liked Krampus. I did too. It's kind of like, it's not necessarily, well, I might put it in the time capsule because it's a Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> you need a Christmas horror in the time capsule. It's a good one. It's. I do have one honorable mention, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll say it when you're done with yours. But- I, I'm, I'll, I'll, I might mention it. I'm just going to throw some out there here in the end. Yeah, okay. Um, 2016, I really liked uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Did uh, you? I hated that movie. Did you? Um, I, I liked John Goodman a lot in that movie. And for some reason, I just... He drove me nuts. I just enjoyed it. I don't know why. So I like that one. Um, so many movies. Gerald's Game. Uh, Hereditary. Mm-hmm. I really liked Hereditary. Hereditary was really good. Speaking of mental health horror films. Oh, God. Um, Hereditary's 2018, so it would be in my time capsule for sure, and so would Midsummer. I haven't seen that yet. I realize that's like it's a controversial choice, the Midsummer, because it's a lot of people had a lot of reactions to that movie. Is it weird that I'm scared to watch it? No. Okay. Because I'm kind of scared to watch it. <laughs> I don't I, blame you. I it's, have. Uh... It's but, but but like for good horror movie, it's an atmosphere. It's yeah. like hereditary. Like there's an atmosphere there, and you can like it or not like it or pick it apart. But I'm in it. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of my criteria. Oh yeah, like, me too. Did it draw me in? Was I like in the movie for an hour and a half or whatever? And Midsummer certainly did because it's like you're in an alternate reality. It feels like an alternate reality. I loved, which you know, I love the original because I posted it on our. Instagram and apparently a lot of people do because mm-hmm. people had reactions to I love the original Fright Night. But my honorable mention is actually the remake in 2011. Uh-huh. It's very different from the original in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Although Chris Randon comes back in the cameo. <laughs> I haven't the, seen it. The yet. OG, Jerry Dandridge, the OG. <laughs> but Colin Farrell plays Jerry Dandridge. Oh my and God. And then um, love him. the actor, he actually ended up dying in a, in a tragic oh, no. accident who plays... Um, Hold on a second. I want to get his name just to kind of respect, pay a little respect to him. Um, I'll throw out there that um, the newsroom is the TV show you were trying to talk about before with Aaron Sorkin. Anton Yelkin um, plays Charlie Brewster. So he, you know, a few years ago, he he was in a horrible, he, he was at home in his garage and his car backed out of park or whatever and crushed him. Mm -hmm. Um, just, just like a freak death. But he plays. He was really great. He was the, in that. He was in the Star Trek movies. He's, um, he was amazing and so young in his career and had so far to go. It was really yeah. a big loss. But I, I loved the remake of this. I thought it was fun. Cool. That was twenty eleven. I wanted to mention. You know, you were talking about the Babadook. The Babadook. Um, I think it follows that came out that same year is kind of in that world as far as that feeling. I also think, you know, 
somewhat the Conjuring movies, um, but it's like The Witch is another really good one. Um, Sinister is another mm-hmm. really good one. So there's like a lot of, oh, there's so many. I know you, I know you st- sort of started out like this was a hard decade for you, like it has a different feel, but it's there are so feel. many good horror movies from the last 10 years. Like, yeah. like I probably would have said that too, like, you know, a few yeah. months ago. And then when I started to look into this, I'm That's like, what wow. It, was. it took me having to really... Yeah, over the last and, 10 years, like, there's a lot of, like, right. Suspiria, the remake oh, of Suspiria. That was good. 2018, hello. Yeah, that was freaky. Um, I thought the Evil Dead remake from 2013 wasn't so bad. I didn't see it. And then uh, Dr. Sleep. I liked Dr. Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep was good. But yeah. again, I have to, in, um, like, Escape Room and Ready or Not, and I don't know, there's a lot. There's a lot. But if we're going to cull it down to the time capsule, I think we hit, we hit yeah. most of the... If you if you feel, listener, if you feel we have missed something important, yeah, let us know in our list. Please let us know via Twitter and, and or Instagram why you liked it. Yeah, via Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to put it. Um, let us know because I, if there's something that I'm missing that's awesome, uh, one I may have seen it and we just just didn't make the make the episode. But if I haven't seen it, I really want to know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a ton. I have a huge list in front of me. There's just a ton of um, horror movies that I've seen in the last ten years. But we really did try to try to cut it down to some biggies. But also, we threw in a few ones that probably people are probably like personal choice ones. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna come right back, and we're gonna do our what the hell segment. So we'll be right back. Hi everyone, we're back. This is our What the Hell segment where we pick out a criminal fail, basically. <laughs> a crime fail. And, and it's just something that we've read in the news that makes us say, what the hell? Uh, I'll go first. Please. In 2016, a bank employee named Alberto Saavedra Lopez from Arizona was suspected of stealing $5,000 from his workplace over the course of three months. He was reported to the authorities and promptly quit the job and moved to Phoenix, thinking he was, you know, running. Rich. Running away with five whole thousand dollars. Yeah, the last... I don't know, in Arizona, that might buy you a house. (laughs) Maybe so, depending on where you are, for sure. In 2018, so this is like two years later... Despite being a fugitive, Alberto applied for a job as a dispatcher for the local police department. On seeing his application and making the connection, the police couldn't believe their luck and thought the easiest way to catch him was to offer him a job interview. So they offered him a job interview. He arrived and they arrested him. So just dumb. Like, obviously use the same name he's like the same person use the same name and then applies to the police department and for those of you who don't know when you try to work for the police department they I'm actually do a background they check actually do a background check and they do your fingerprints and they do all kinds of things um certain jobs of the police department they take have you take a lie detector kind of worries me that he'd go into law enforcement not knowing that <sighs> well yeah what do you know about law enforcement? You're going into a field you clearly know very little about. Well, and it's like the what we know about some types of criminals 
that we see represented in the movies is like, you know, they want to interject themselves into cases or in inject themselves into the system as law enforcement, criminal law enforcement, criminal law enforcement, right? But this is like the lowbrow, dumbass, what the hell version of that, where like, I can't tell you how many like case studies or personality things I've read where or movies that we've watched where the person wanted to be a cop, but ended up being a criminal, you know? Mm. And so I think there's this attraction to good and bad. And there's, you know, there's some yeah. metaphors in there. <laughs> but well then mine are a little bit, I took a little different twist mm -hmm. to what the hell this time. It's not so much a crime fail, but it's a crime solving fail. Okay. So these are two of 15 of the creepiest crimes that are still unsolved. So the first one is, it's called, uh, well, it took place in Fayetteville, West Virginia, in December 1945. The Sodders, a family with 10 children, slept while a fire erupted at 1 a.m., one of the sons was not home and four of the children escaped with their parents and five did not. Sounds like a story problem for math. How many children were left in the house? So one of the sons was not home, four of the children escaped with their parents and five did not. Why is it so creepy? Well, first of all, five did not. Uh, when the fire took place, George, the children's father, tried to re-enter the house to find his five children. However... Their ladder was missing, his truck wouldn't turn on, and the water from the rain barrel was frozen solid. The creepiest part was that once they re-entered the house, there were no remains of the children, no bones, and no possible way of cremation. They had disappeared and were never seen again. Ooh. Creepy. The second one is called, or the second one takes place in the Chicago area in September 1982. 12-year-old Mary Kellerman died after taking Tylenol to help cure her cold. Her death was the result of a mystery person lacing extra-strength Tylenol pills with cyanide that also led to the deaths of six other people. Hmm. Why is this so creepy? <laughs> the contaminated bottles came from different production plants, and so it was believed that someone was purchasing the bottles and returning them poisoned or tampering them in the store. The person was never found and it inspired various copycat acts from tainted pills to tampering with candy. Huh. Okay. Those are creepy to me. Some of those unsolved. I, I actually went back and started unsolved mysteries with Robert. Oh Stone. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, these wow. are old. I haven't watched like that in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And the man was da da da. And he had yeah. such a, he had <laughs> yeah. such a. God, how many seasons do they have of that? Well, then Dennis Farina took it over. I know. Cause I think didn't Robert Stack die? Probably. Yeah. I don't see why no. he would have ever quit unless he got sick or something. I mean, his voice still, when I listen to those, it's Shannon just, Calder yeah. growing up in Thousand Oaks in <laughs> yeah. 1972. Yeah. She was found in it. I mean, his voice was so, and then the music, my God, I started watching him last night. I go, nope. I was freaked out. And <laughs> so I'm like, too late. And now that they're older, they're yeah. even creepier. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, nope, nope, not going to nope, happen. Nope. Nope. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I did want to mention before we um, end that uh, according to the article that I'm reading in Variety, we are talking about the Halloween sequel movies that are coming out in the next two years. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is supposed to star in both. Awesome. So 
Yeah, I'll be there then. I well, miss the movie theater. Thank God that Kathy will be there. <sighs> I'll be there. Whether I'm the only one in there or not, I'll be social distancing. Oh, I think a lot of people will be there for that, at least for the first one. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. This is Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. If you enjoyed this show, there are two things you could do for us. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media, as well as writing a review on iTunes. Plus, you could check out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.